Welcome back to the meeting after the meeting, everyone. We are your hosts, David O. Carly R. And Eric B. And today we are joined by our lovely, fantastic, badass, <laughs> eclectic, pink-haired uh, guest from the West Coast, Jen. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing well. Good. Doing good. well. Talking football and music. Why am I... Why am I always the meeting after the meeting? Why am I not invited to the meeting? That's what I want to know. Meeting after I the think meeting. We always know the answer to that, yeah. Jen. Jen, you're too cool for the meeting. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants me in the meeting. I, I've already gotten that vibe already. I'm all, I'm not really so welcome in the meeting. That's okay. The meeting after the meeting for the dude. Tuesday, we're we're, right? we're totally yeah. hanging out in the parking lot, smoking cigs, <laughs> blasting some ACDC. <laughs> And and you know we're having yeah. a good we're having a good time talking positive vibes drinking and recovery. Bang. Drinking bang. Oh god. What, what what energy drinks uh, are you guys in over there? Where you live? Uh, we've uh, honestly, I think most of us are we're we're just co- back to coffee for the most part. Yeah. But a Red Bull. Oh, right. Carly will drink a monster. I actually haven't had a monster, monster. in a really long time. Yeah, yeah. no. That was good my thing it, when I first came into recovery. Monster. But I don't drink them anymore. Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah. All right. Wait, Me what? too. I was a monster drinker, man, when I first found recovery. That was like the, the thing. Uh-huh. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. So we're going to do the next three Wait, questions. What was, your, what was your energy drink, right. David? Red Bull. Red Bull? Yeah. Okay. That was Nas. So oh, two God. monsters. You were what? Nas. N-O-S. Nas. It's yeah. it's lame. It tastes good. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's good. terrible. I've seen it. Yeah. All right. So we're going we're gonna to do a, a, a rapid fire three questions to get this out of the way. Where are you from, Jen? I am from Temecula, California. When were you first introduced to recovery? Oh, uh, you always ask this. I never have an answer a thousand bazillion years ago, but I've been uh, in recovery since May 1st, 2011. So how long have you been clean? Since May 1st, 2011. <laughs> <laughs> That's nine years for anybody who's uh, yeah, listening out there. Years, four yeah, four months. Nine years. <laughs> All right. Congratulations. And without oh, well, thank you. further ado, we're going to turn it over to you to uh, share on uh, the topic this evening, which is. Oh, well, I think we're going to Power Ranger this one out. We're going to yes. um, talk about I would like to talk about um, just being how we should really be careful of the words we choose when mm-hmm. we speak to ourselves and about ourselves, mm-hmm. because. I think that our hearts are listening, even if we don't realize it. Words carry a lot, a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also attached to that would also be about, you know, the stigma um, in recovery and uh, in addiction inside the recovery community and outside. Absolutely. You know, yeah. So I don't know. That sounds good to me. All right, we'll take it away, and we'll, we'll take your lead, and then interject when we feel. Okay, so um, this has been something like I I have been really changing in my life the past I don't know maybe a year and a half. I did this. It started with I did this <laughs> author's creativity workshop. It was mm-hmm. you know I don't I don't know, but. Yeah. Part of it was to like reconnect with our childhoods, right? We're supposed to think back to the joy of childhood. You guys all know my story, so it's quite mm-hmm. laughable that even that mm-hmm. I even joined this thing. <laughs> but we're supposed to. Part of it was to list like you know five positive traits we had as children, um, 
five moments we could, you know, remember being really proud of ourselves for accomplishments, Mm -hmm. you know, five of our most carefree, you know, happiest memories, blah, blah, blah. You know, basically, like I said, the the point, the intention of this exercise was to connect us to to the joy of being a child. And I sat there with my page completely blank. And I, and I just, I mean, I was just stuck. I just, I could not, I was just sat there. I sat there so long that the other people started like volunteering to share their answers. And all, all I could do this entire like workshop was just listen. And, um, you know, it really, it really was an, 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 a really incredible moment for me um, looking back because it really made me realize how I've never been able to truly connect to myself in a loving way mm-hmm. um, because I, 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 what, it, what it was that I was unable to list things that would coincide with what another person would view as an accomplishment or, you know, joy or being carefree or whatever. You know, the things that I am proud of today are probably different than, you know, winning a spelling bee you know, or mm-hmm. whatever. There are things that have been labeled as dysfunctional or, you know, problematic, but everything that I've ever managed to come up with to survive to this day right now is something that I am really, this past year and a half, I've really been working on on finding ways to love every version of myself that's brought me here. Mm. And, um, you know, that, that workshop didn't teach me shit about writing, but it, it really did. <laughs> it really did open my eyes to, you know, I, pa- I, I packed in so much pain throughout my life, like just yeah. pack it in and pack it in and pack oh, it in yeah. um, until I was like an overstuffed suitcase, just like begging to be open. But mm-hmm. I was so afraid of what it was inside because I didn't even know what was in there anymore. Yeah. And I was actually terrified that maybe I was in there because I had never really, I had never really, I mean, I did not look in the mirror and, and see a person I had any connection with until I was probably, probably till I got, you know, into recovery at 34. That's a really long time. Yeah. Um, that's why I can't, I can't imagine the people that like, like start even later than that in recovery like the people that get clean or sober way late like goodness god like somebody who like is like 50 and just like opening that door to recovery like that journey of self-discovery has got to be like very gnarly it's got to be daunting to start with Mm. can you imagine that it's totally true and uh yeah so that that kind of was a big big moment for me um and I, that really kind of started my journey to like retracing, you know, all the steps of my life and, um, you know, grabbing every past version of myself by the hand and, you know, carrying them home and, and loving them the way that they've always deserved to be loved, even mm. if their behavior was labeled as something as problematic. I had a lot of behaviors that, from the outside seemed like I was losing control, but on the inside, I was really just trying to hang on to control. I was trying to hang on. Oh yeah. You know, there was a lot of chaos going on around me and inside of me. 
And so I really think that, you know, the thing is, is that the one word I really have denounced completely is the word broken. Mm-hmm. I used to, I, I like walked around with this narrative of I'm broken for so many years, even well into recovery. Mm-hmm. But the thing about the word broken is, is that when something is broken, it needs to be fixed, right? And so we only fix something yeah. when there's something wrong with it. And we only fix something if there's something wrong with it. And the driver behind believing there's something wrong with you is shame. Mm-hmm. And you can't fix shame. You can't fix shame. You can get, you know, into recovery. You can leave the abusive household. You can um, mend relationships. You can mm-hmm. set a bazillion boundaries and change just as many behaviors. And shame will remain. Mm. Because shame is not about like rearranging your life or rearranging your furniture or whatever, you know, paying your bills or doing your to-do list or working your steps. Shame stays in your body. Shame is attached. The only way to fix it to, oh, that was the wrong word. The antidote for shame is self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Finding some, finding a way to thoroughly love from your bones to your skin, love a love for everything that you've ever done that has gotten you to where you are today. Mm. Even the stuff that maybe you wouldn't have chosen today. You know, there's a lot of things I would not choose today, but they are the very things that managed to help me survive to this point. If that makes sense. Now I like, I sort of have a question about shame. Like, yes. And Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like there's almost two types of shame. Like there's like the internal shame that we like feel maybe intrinsically by ourselves, just I guess sort of naturally like it it occurs. But then I think there's external shame where we're feeling bad about ourselves because of the way we perceive it reflected through others. If you know what I mean, does that make sense? Anybody? Yeah. I mean, I think. <laughs> no, you can say no. I, I, I'm trying to like I process it. Like it's like social shaming. Like I, like I don't, I don't feel like I fit into the social whatever puzzle piece I'm supposed to fit into. So I feel shame about that, even though it's not necessarily something you did. Shame is never anything that you did. Hmm. That that's probably the that's probably the difference. Usually, something you did is guilt, remorse, okay. embarrassment. You okay. know, but shame is always about who you are inherently, who you are. Hmm. And so sometimes we feel shame about you know certain you know maybe certain events or whatever that takes place. And some people are born into shame. <laughs> so you know. I think I'm both. And I think a lot of us are both. Sometimes we're born into shame via, you know, the way that we were raised in childhood or experiences in childhood or, you know, whatever. And then, um, you know, that carries out into shame attaches itself to everything, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. friendships, relationships, parenting, sobriety, recovery, you know, therapy, it attaches itself to happy times. 
it's, it's about who you are as a person. So there's no way that it doesn't, nothing gets, nothing affects it. Like you can't, the only way to, to change it, the only way to change how you feel or how you see the way things are in the after is to feel the way you feel about the before. Does that make sense? Sort of. <laughs> that was a big sentence, and I'm like trying to wrap my head around it. I'm like, also, while like dictionarying, like like googling the definition of like guilt and shame, so I can like try and understand it for myself. Yes, that's a very good idea. Do that. Yeah, guilt is feeling remorse about something that you've done, and shame is feeling like you're not worth anything as a person no matter what you've done yeah for anybody who's listening we'll we'll, we'll throw it out there so these are the di- dictionary <laughs> explain definitions explain it to me because that's the part i'm at at my fourth step yeah okay. oh perfect <laughs> you're we're, we're right where you need to be okay so guilt is having committed an offense crime violation or wrong especially against moral or or penal law justly subject to a certain accusation penalty or culpable characterized by or characterized involving guilt, which I don't know how you define something with the word guilt. So I guess guilt is more like a consequence of an action. Or lack of an action? It it could be lack of an action, 100%. And then shame is the painful feeling arising from the consciousness of something dishonorable, improper, ridiculous, done by oneself or another or just uh susceptibility to disgrace or ignominy i don't know that, that word that's i don't a, that's know what word. that word means so I, I yeah so hmm yeah so i think shame is is more of a feeling and like and in like i don't know I, I, that's difficult to I well think, guilt can be fit by making amends yeah or guilt can be you know it can be eased by making amends whether that be verbal or living amends it can be fixed by yeah you know you could fix guilt you and, can fix and I, outside situations yeah i think guilt is more closely related to like regret or remorse while shame yeah. is more uh closely related to um um like inadequacy yeah, completely. And okay. defectiveness, flawed. Yes. Um, you know, I use the word inherently because that just kind of makes the best sense for me, but just born wrong. Mm-hmm. And all these things must have, have happened because I am I am born flawed and born defective and deficient mm. and all that stuff. Yeah. Shame the be- is the beast. Yeah. You know, shame's the beast. Yeah. It's it's all those it it sort of encapsulates all those insecurities and inadequacies and and just sort of I don't know becomes part of your self esteem, I guess. It it becomes part of who you are. I mean you it actually changes who you see in the mirror. And I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not really saying that so much literally, although it do, it can change that as well. You know, see, it's all coming back to the man in the mirror right here. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's or all the woman back. in the mirror. <laughs> see, exactly. Yeah. Right. Starts with you, Eric, the man yeah. in the mirror. Mm. <laughs> 
Eric's processing right now. We have to let Eric be. That's what Eric does. Yeah, we we don't, don't, don't poke the, the small bear. You okay, I'm sorry. I interrupted. Genetically modified bears, but go ahead. That's even, that's horrifying. <laughs> we talked about this. We talked about this on Friday. We did talk about this, how you want a tiny pet bear. I, I want them to be able to genetically modify bears to be tiny and then domesticate those <gasps> tiny bears to be pets. Oh my gosh. Isn't that great? Wow. That's so that's wrong. Interesting. That's like so a little wrong. small care bear? Kind of like a little teddy bear. Oh, if it was a Care Bear, then, then now we're changing like the game. He's alive. Yeah, exactly. This like, makes me so happy. Like, and they could play with like dogs. <gasps> Them and dogs could be friends. You know? This sounds do... much better than stealing a bear from Tennessee next year. Can they do the Care Bear stare? That's up to you, David. Can you train your bear to do the Care Bear stare? God, I hope so. Give me some happy feelings, bear. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is a Care Bear stare? What do you not know about the e- e- that? Wait. That seems like right in your age range. Do you remember the Care Bears? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. I remember the Care Bears, but not the Care Bears stare. Okay, <laughs> so. What is my age range? <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. you're 29 years old, right, Jen? Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. You're right, yeah, yeah, I got it. 100%. Okay, I remember, yeah. Yep. Um, but to anybody who's out there listening, any any younger millennials or whatever you are, uh, the Care Bears were these happy little uh, teddy bear things, and they all had different emotions on their tummies. And when something would go wrong in the world, they would all hold hands and get in the get in a circle and do the Care Bear stare, where literally their their happiness or their luck or whatever would shine out of them, and it would solve the problem. All the love of the collective unity of the Care Bears was the Care Bear stare, and it solved the problem. And it was a beautiful thing. And that's what kids are missing out on, stuff like Care Bears and Captain Planet. So, so That's what's wrong with the fucking kids so, today. So, uh, Jen, do you want to continue? I know I know in this, like, <laughs> yes, this tangent here. But... Okay, so from guilt and shame, go. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, yeah. Dead air. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I'm off in Care Bear land, but yeah. I know. So, guilt and shame. Yeah, there's a total, total difference. And uh, some, and I think a lot of people don't even realize how much shame controls their life. Just like people, a lot of people don't realize how much trauma controls your life. Yes. Or, you know, I don't think a lot of people really grasp, you know, how much trauma, um, if you don't address the trauma, then, you know, I think we've discussed this already before. I'm not always the trauma talker, but how important it is to really dig past all the surfaces of recovery, you know, drugs, alcohol, eating, sex, all that stuff back down deeper to, to the trauma at hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, you know, shame is a huge byproduct of trauma. Um, whether it be shame from, like I said, the, the traumatic experiences or whatever, or then we shame for the ways in which we responded to that traumatic experience and that's kind of what I'm talking about is you know in that in that writing class you know to list when I was listening everybody lists their things that they were so proud of and whatever I don't have that I don't have Mm. moments where you know of quote unquote accomplishments like maybe some other people do but I have accomplishments and those accomplishments may be 
I'm really proud of the little girl in my childhood for disassociating and surviving sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. really proud of a lot of things that I did, you know, and I've told my story before how, you know, I believe at one point alcohol saved my life. I was mm -hmm. very close to killing myself. Um, and I'm really that is something that now that I've done this trauma work and, and really working on connecting myself in a, to connecting to myself in a loving way, I'm really proud that I found whatever was in front of me to keep going. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Even if those things may not be what I choose today as a person on a healing journey and in recovery, that does not take away from how amazing that my body has been to keep surviving. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of my, my little get down on that. Um, I think, and going back to just the words and the labels that, that are used, whether it be from the outside world or even inside recovery mm -hmm. or amongst ourselves, you know, I think we just need to be really careful. Um, you know, because we are listening and, and, yeah. and sometimes we don't even realize, you know, I used to make a lot of jokes about myself. I mean, I still make a lot of jokes about my age and you know, whatever, but you're I in your late twenties. Yeah, you don't, don't, don't make fun of your age at all. You're good. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I used to, <laughs> but I used to make a lot of jokes about, um, stuff that really hurt me mm -hmm. and I, and I did, it's like a coping mechanism. It's like a defense oh, yeah. mechanism. You know, if I, jo if I joke about it first or I throw it all out there first then you guys can't find something out on your own and leave me Yeah, and use it against you. Know, you. I'm going to let you know, I'm going to let it all out now that you can be just mortified by how horrifying and harsh and how, how far I can push you away and how disgusting I am now, you know, um, but what I didn't realize was that I was hearing those jokes too, that my insides were actually absorbing the words I was saying. Ooh. And I don't think a lot of people really, really realize that. I, I certainly did. I mean, it's only been a couple of years that I've really been starting to do this work. So even, I mean, I had like seven years in recovery when I did this writing class. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, I think people can go their whole lives without realizing how much weight that word carry and how heavy it becomes. Um, and not everybody has the same words, you know, that are going to eventually like cause them harm. You know, I have certain words that for me really have changed the way that I define myself and they might not be the same words as you, you know, like I know, as far as like the addict or alcoholic for a lot of people that actually is a very empowering statement. Mm -hmm. They feel, you know, saying, saying I'm an addict for the rest of their life is something that empowers them. Yeah. You know, they, they feel empowered by that. And I celebrate that. I celebrate that for anybody that feels anything that anybody uses that, you know, celebrates, you know, who they are and, and empowers who they are in their life. But then on the flip side, there's also other people that actually feel really weighted down by that. Yeah. And so I, I in turn, 
celebrate the fact that they no longer want to label themselves that way. Yeah. You know, so it's like a, people are different. Everybody's different. You know, I think we should always really support, you know, whatever, you know, feels best to people. I don't think that, you know, not wanting to call yourself an addict anymore means that you're in denial. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I personally, I personally no longer call myself an addict. Good for you. Am I in, am I in denial <laughs> that I can never ever, ever pick up a drink or drug again? Absolutely not. You know, I know, I know what, who I am, where I come from. You know, I, I'm in recovery for the rest of my life, period. But I just don't feel like I need to call myself that anymore. Mm-hmm. I just, for me, it feels better. But that doesn't mean that anybody that wants to call, you know, feels that that's an empowering statement. I say, go for it. You know, do whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important that we dig through those statements and make sure that those really feel good for us. All of them. Broken, dysfunctional, um, addict, alcoholic, whatever, um, junkie, in, you know, um, ex-con. Mm. Um, I mean, I could throw felon. out a bunch that I have my, a felon. Mm-hmm. That's like another great one. Felon. Anything that puts a label on who you are as a person, always make sure that you really self-assess that this is something that feels good for you for sure, because there's nothing wrong with deciding to pull a a word out of your language and say, I I don't want, I want to remove that now. Crazy is another one. Oh yeah. Um, I personally do not believe anybody is broken. Mm. I am not broken. I have never been broken. I believe people are in pain Mm. and I was in pain and we don't have to constantly sabotage our self-compassion with this like incessant disclaimer that pain doesn't excuse some of our past behaviors or maybe some of the ways we may have treated people in our past. Cause we already fucking know that like who doesn't know that? Mm-hmm. I, I think even as it's happening, we know that inside, you know, um, pain excuses nothing, but it explains everything. And I'm not looking for excuses. I've never been looking for excuses. I want answers. You know, I wanted love, you know? And so that's why for me, you know, it was all about finding that love for myself. And like I said, that that statement that went a little bit haywire is that I cannot change how I see the after, how I feel in the after, meaning after my past, my today. I cannot change how I feel in today until I feel how I feel about the before. Because no matter the situations I may have changed outwardly or behaviors, how I truly feel inside about the before has remained. Mm -hmm. That shame has remained. Yeah. Those words, have I've held on to those words that crazy and dysfunctional and problematic and broken. And I've held on to those words and it has infected how I'm able to exist in my new life today. Mm. Love yeah. that. And I think that, I mean, it's the same with, with any type of stigma that people assume or, you know, judge or, you know, whatever, um, people that have been through 
whether it be addiction or, um, you know, I don't even like the word self-harm, but coping, that type of coping skill. Mm-hmm. I call it a skill because I really do. It's just amazing to me. If you really look past um, the outward danger or whatever, really all these things have ju- are just a coping mechanism that are allowing people to survive pain that is unsurvivable. It's unsustainable. Mm-hmm. And that is the same with, with addiction. Yeah. I mean, it's the same. It's, it's not a big, this, this thing about addiction, it's like this big thing. It, all it is is a coping mechanism. Yeah. Add it to eating, add it to sex, add it to gambling, add it to Amazon shopping, adding to, you know, Carly. add it to any, what? any, add it to Amazon shopping. Absolutely not. Shoe shopping. I, I mean, it's any, <laughs> shoe shopping. I really feel like we need, in order to I'm attacking reduce you, Carly. stigma. We need to add it to things that average everyday people who think it's socially acceptable. It's in the same list. All yeah. it is is a coping mechanism for trauma, pain, mental health you know, issues that are not being addressed. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. I hate the big scary addict. You know, it's so big and scary and, and whatever. And sure, some of these coping mechanisms have... Um, dangerous side effects, but but ultimately, all it is is just a way to run from ourselves, and we run from ourselves in recovery. We run from ourselves even if we've never had a substance use problem, mm-hmm. um, in lots of ways. So that's one one thing that I really I don't know if I'll ever see it in my lifetime, even though I'm only 29. Um, but I, you know, I don't know if I'll, I'll, I'll ever see in my lifetime where people view drug use as simply just a way to cope with pain, just as people who spend more money than they have in their bank account. Yeah. Um, at Ross. <laughs> mm. It's just the same thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, um, and I I go on a big tantrum about the stigma inside the recovery community, but I think I already did that last time. But we don't have to go there. Okay. Um, <laughs> what? Wait, wait. What, la- what stigma inside? What are you What are you referring to? I think we did. I think well, I know what she's talking about. I think we went. I think we did. I think we went through. You know, the harmful language that we use in the recovery and the harmful like jump oh, statements yeah. we throw out. Yeah. Especially yeah, you especially know, with people on with people. Yeah, we were talking about harm reduction. Um, yeah, we were talking about harm reduction mm-hmm. and just people that are I think I had a good rant beyond with it that night too. What the twelve steps are designed to to do. I really would love to see all the recovery community become trauma informed. I mean, have you guys ever like really researched like the link between trauma and addiction? Oh yeah. Like, the, have you guys ever like? Yeah, I mean, the numbers are staggering. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well, and those are just people that that acknowledge that they have trauma. Those are just the people that really realize that they have trauma. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because I think a lot of people really, uh, <laughs> I, I think it gets like a misnomer that when you hear trauma, you automa- oh, yeah. you automatically think of either sexual or physical abuse. Right. And, and it's so right. much more encompassing than that. Like so much more. I, I think yeah. like 
uh, really like mental and like verbal emotional abuse is way more prevalent uh, to kids yeah. than than either sexual or physical because just the way, oh, yeah. the way the way a parent can say something to a child can affect them for the rest of their fucking lives and yep. like, it absolutely can yeah if if like and even if the parents like have it under the uh under the disguise of like putting immense amount of pressure on a child to like always be perfect and like always be like a winner and a go-getter and all that shit. Like it, it, it can really get us a, a false sense of, I don't know. Um, uh, like that, that desire to achieve to a child that can make them crumble. Like what if, like what if oh, Mike, like Michael, the need to be perfect? Yeah. Absolutely. Like, what if Michael Phelps had been put under that much pressure and then just continually lost? Like, yeah, he's a fucking gold medal winner and all that. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. But what if he what if he was under that amount of pressure and didn't achieve that shit? Like, how, like, how, like, disastrous could that have been on his psyche to be, like, raised like that, to be like, you have to be a winner, have to be a winner, have to be a winner, and then you lose? Like, that can be devastating. You got to, you've got to be related to, relating to that, Carly. What, that, that like, scenario? Yeah, that yeah. analogy. Yeah, I mean, with the pressure just playing sports and expecting to go perform absolutely yeah. perfectly all the time, and yeah. if, like, one little tiny mistake, it was like I was the worst person in the world. Yeah. I let this person down, I let my team down, I let, like, and I needed to be able to change or do something better, but it was constantly, like, on my mind if something went slightly wrong, and it was not maybe even my fault, but... Mm-hmm. How That's how had, I perceived it. Yeah, and I know, and I know you've struggled with that in recovery. What the perfectionism? Or yeah. What? Oh, absolutely. Like you've texted me so many times, like about your step work. Like oh, I don't know if I'm doing this perfectly, and I'm like, you don't have to do it perfectly. <laughs> that is correct. I'm like, you just have to do it. I, but I have let go of that. Yeah. Of the Dude, perfectionism. Gotten... Now I'm just not doing it. So. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> just go that route. <laughs> Fuck it. We're struggling. It's either one end of the spectrum or the other. You know. <laughs> Perfectionism is a very tricky beast, and mm-hmm. I, I struggle with. I think a lot of us struggle with that, but it's a very tricky beast because the word perfection has this like really romantic kind of like appealing sound to it. You know, we use that yeah. word perfect like it's such a beautiful, pretty thing. But perfectionism is just dis- it, it is disabling. It is crippling, mm-hmm. and it and the driver behind perfection and drum roll is shame. Ooh. It's the mm-hmm. belief that you are not worthy as a mm-hmm. person unless you achieve something that, let's be real, as perfectionists, there is no, there is no final destination because yeah. it's never at the level that we finally go, ah, oh, this is perfect. Or, ah, uh, I just, or now you're hitting, I you're hitting Carly now, so hard right now. I'm sorry. That's okay. But yeah, I, mean, I can what, see the gears in her heart just like poor. churning, and she's like, <laughs> "It's okay." I, feel, I, I mean, told David I feel attacked, exposed, and seen all at the same time. That's a good thing, <laughs> dude. You, know, you will love Jen. Jen's amazing. I this is something that I, perfectionism also comes for. I, I battled this big time from childhood. You know, I'm trying to be as good as I can be. If I'm really good, then my mom's not going to want to kill herself. If I act, oh, if I God. perform really well, 
then maybe my abuser is not going to hurt me this much this time. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing is that, you know, I carried that through and it seems weird. How can you be perfectionist when you're living under a bridge selling your ass for heroin? Right. I mean, that doesn't really make sense, but it absolutely does. You have to because be the best the heroin addict. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, yes, I was trying to be the best of the best. <laughs> But drugs and alcohol calmed that voice. It, it actually, it just made it to where I didn't have to see and hear that noise anymore because yeah. that perfectionism beast will scream in your ear constantly. Mm-hmm. And it prevents you, it, it prevents you from doing anything. Yeah. Like you can't complete shit mm-hmm. yeah. because it's never going to be, <laughs> it's never going to be at the level you want. So you actually don't live. Yeah. You don't even it's run the marathon because you're like, oh, I'm not going to get the time I want anyway. So fuck it. People just assume that perfectionism, like I said, it has this nice roll off your tongue, this word like, oh, you must do things really well. No, I don't do things at all because I'm straight up frozen. Oh, I feel that. I'm literally, I'm literally stuck in that cycle of that. I'm not good enough. So why the fuck even bother? And and why bother? Exactly. Why bother? Because. And not, it's not even about what we're doing or, or, you know, the project at hand. It's about who we are. Yeah. Who I am as a person is not good enough. So, Oof. yeah, it's, I, I, that's another word that people throw out. <sighs> now I'm it's starting like, to feel you know, seen. Oh. <laughs> Eric's um, over here floating on a cloud like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Well, Eric's <laughs> not in touch with his emotions yet. Oh. <laughs> Oh no! I, see, I gave up on perfectionism like a long time ago because it's a trap. Did you? God. Yeah, it's a fucking trap. I mean, if I you, wish if, I could just give up on it. If Me you too. fucking if you aim for perfection, <laughs> you're just gonna be disappointed because it doesn't exist. So, like, what's right. the point in you know trying to be perfect if you're not gonna get there? But like, I you, hear you. But I can't change my mentality. Mm-hmm. You just do right. it. Right. It, it's- Eric just does it. I mean, if you fail, failure is just, you know, an opportunity to improve. I think the difference is that what you're speaking of, I mean, let me just put words in your mouth here. Then. <laughs> Tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I think what you're speaking about is a task at hand. Like if I if, like, just do the task and it, there's no such thing as a perfect paper or you know, there's no such thing as a perfect podcast episode, so just well, do it. Except for this one. What perfectionism is, is like literally about who we are as people. Well, okay. Y- yes, there's the task side, but also like, let's take the example of like my marriage, right? Like I want to be the best husband that I can be. And yeah. I, I aim to do that, but sometimes, you know, I might snap and like, you know, like a, a comment comes off or, you know, I don't know. It's not always perfect, right? Like sometimes we right. get f- frustrated and sometimes we get angry. So instead of dwelling on the fact that like, oh man, like I wasn't a good husband in this moment, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm human. I'm going to fuck up. I'm going to learn from, you know, that specific encounter with my wife and try to recognize how I can be better next time. Well, good for yeah, you. I get what you're saying. Have you battled? I mean, I think there's probably different levels of perfectionism. I think women. Oh, I, I don't know if I should say this on this show, but Go I do have another girl it. with me now. But I, I think women really, really battle perfectionism on a deeper level than men do. I mean, I think it's different. 
I, I, I like. I'm not like I'm not saying you're wrong, um, but the the aspect that I see it in men because obviously we have a woman's perspective. I'm giving the men's because Eric is a silent robot. Um, like when it comes to uh, men and like the shame that they feel. I mean the the highest number of suicides in this country is men from age 25 to 40 and it's often and it's often because of that severe amount of pressure that like society has like put on them to be like they have to be like this uh uh, emotional rock and like not feel their emotions not let them out be the breadwinner do your uh 40 hours a week do like like be the best husband be this be that and a, a lot of men crack under that pressure and it it ends in suicide so like i i think like um, it's different. Yes, it's just different. I don't think yeah. I, I don't think men or women have it better or worse than another. I just think it's very different because I mean, and I have four sisters, so like what I can and like stop me if I'm wrong, ladies, but like where I can project it um, for women is more of like the a lot of like the aesthetic stuff, like, Oh, I have to look a certain way. I have to, uh, be a certain shape or a certain weight. And, um, I, I have to act a certain way. Otherwise I can't get the attention that I, I, I seek or, or need. So, and that's just what I see. I I think there's a lot more physical pressures on women and young, especially Mm -hmm. young women than, than young men. Um, so like, that's how, like, I can see it being a lot harder for, for women for sure is like trying to be that whatever numbers, like that society says you're supposed to be. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. That's definitely, I I guess it is, it is just different. There is a lot of pressure for both sides in different, different ways. And I think we internalize things completely different than yeah women. totally and i think it, it manifests in different ways mm-hmm. um for sure yeah so yeah perfectionism is a is a bitch it's i mean it's a battle i'm telling you i, I fight that battle every day and and the only i think the only turning point for me that's been happening in the past year and it's clearly it's not even I'm not even on top of it. So don't get me, don't let me act like I am. I'm totally not. But, um, has been learning to really love the things that I thought were flaws mm-hmm. to really, to really honor the things, like I said before that, you know, I've internalized as, as, you know, signals and signs that I I'm damaged because I, you know, I don't, there has been things that have, that you know, there's been things that have shaped me a certain way, but mm-hmm. I'm not bound to how I have been shaped. And the only way to unbound myself is to release the shame I felt about the things that I've done to survive, to get here, mm-hmm. to, you know, withstand, you know, all the stuff. And, and it's okay. I, I think I don't like also when we constantly have to, you know, ram up our, our asses that, well, you did that to yourself. Oh yeah. Well, listen. Yeah, that's just, that's social that bullshit. Too. I hate that. It is. 
Yeah, I, I already realized that. I realized <laughs> that you, you see it that way and that's okay. But it's not going to do me, it doesn't do me any good and it doesn't make it any worse if I decide to flip that around mm-hmm. and say I did the best I could do to survive at the time. Yeah. It's not going to make me feel any different or, or I mean, see the way that I, you know, I realized that I used drugs to an extreme. I realized I committed crimes. I realized I broke into houses. I realized I went to prison. I, I realized all that stuff mm-hmm. and, and releasing myself from that, from ownership of that and saying I did the best I could do to survive does not make me feel better happy or proud or like it doesn't affect me negatively in any way it's actually helping me heal Mm. and i think you know like people saying that to addicts i think is sort of a cop-out for them trying to uh be compassionate or sympathize or empathize with them in any way whatsoever you know what i mean like like somebody on the outside it's gaslighting yeah it's fucking gaslighting it's like oh well you did it to yourself it's like oh thanks i didn't fucking realize that i was the one fucking smoking coke i thought somebody else was smoking it and blowing it in my face i was that high i'm enlightened yeah thank you for enlightening (laughs) me yeah thanks captain obvious like it's fucking yeah it's gaslighting at its best and we gaslight ourselves Oh, fucking we right. ourselves. Hell yeah. And that, that's why the language that we use is really important that we always reassess and reassess because who we are in early recovery is absolutely not who we are as we move forward as long as we're constantly moving forward. So, so what tools do what, you so, use? Like what do you actively do to like use like to counter th- what exactly what you're talking about? So writing is huge for me. I mean, I tell this to you guys every time Mm -hmm. I think, but journaling and I, and I was just on a live today on IG, but about journaling and, and how, I mean, I just really swear by journaling. I want everybody to journal every morning. And I think people think, well, I'm not a good writer or writing's not my thing, you know, or Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, they put this pressure and especially for perfectionists, we put this pressure on even our own personal journaling that, you know, we're not, we're Car- not going to know what to say or whatever. You're nailing her down. I mean, this, I mean, I, I would, let me just tell you. So, you know, I, although I'm not really in the steps much anymore, but I did my, I've done step work several times and it's a fucking longest process in the world because I cannot present myself as raw as I need to because I'm so fucking worried about the perfectionism game on my four steps. <laughs> so I don't know how long it's taking you or how much, not even length of time, but how much torment and turmoil. And it wasn't even so much about the facts I had to write down. It's about how I'm presenting them. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? Carly? It's absolutely. Really like, total sense to me i mean i actually have zero and i think this is common for more people than people realize i had really no issue with what i have done in my past as far as in that in my criminal history you know the facts i'm not like there wasn't like anything i was really scared to sit down and tell somebody yeah Partly because I had that weird coping mechanism where I threw it all out there anyways. Like, hey, my name is Jen. I used to rob houses. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, like, oh, hey, I'm Jen. I used to sell my ass for heroin. Like, yeah. you know, 
See, but I, I say shit sure like that, get... and Eric looks at me like I have three fucking heads. I'm like, hey, I'm Damon. I used to pee in people's mailboxes. And he's like, you're a piece of shit. And I'm like, thanks, Eric. Um, no, okay. You did some terrible things to golf holes <laughs> and to mailboxes. And like, no, like. You so even... what if I shit in a golf hole? Okay, Jen, he's acting all big and tough right now. But really, when he was talking about this. I feel bad about it. You, you, okay. But How about the de- vehicle where you stole all four tires yeah, off of? Your demeanor right now is more of like elation <laughs> but at the time you were really like you were like i can't believe that you no know, I, I can't believe i did that i that was ruined horrible. someone's day yes but like i still like i'm still very yeah. open about it i am more than yeah. willing to tell people like yeah i shit in a golf hole yeah i chopped somebody's tires off their car yeah i fucking i peed in on people's mail like yeah i did cruddy ass wow. fucking you peed on yeah. You peed on people's mail? Yeah. Like, what for? Isn't that weird? Isn't that for weird? fun? Like, we would be That's drinking. That's a little bizarre. We would be drinking and driving, and, like, I would want to pee in somebody's mailbox, but if the mailbox was empty, I'd be like, nope, we got to find one that's full. Wait, so, Jen, the, wow. okay, the, the <laughs> yeah. peeing in the mailbox, there's more mailboxes, so I can see how David got to, like, the mailbox one, I guess. Uh, but the shitting in a golf hole is even worse. <laughs> Like, first off, you guys had to consciously think, like, oh, I need to take a shit. Let's go to the golf course. Like, yeah, that was, like, an actual thought. Already? Well, you were in Howard County, so you would have been County. cut around. I, I wasn't far from a, from a golf uh-huh. course. But you had to go there. Like, you're not there. there. And then you guys had to which get hole? on the green, find a hole, and then you shit in the which, hole. Which hole did you yeah. shit in? I can't remember. <laughs> Whatever was most convenient. <laughs> You were just really hating on that life. I I was so angry. I was it's, just so angry at yeah. rich people. Like I, I just didn't. I had to make a thing against rich. I would only go to rich neighborhoods. I would never go to a poor neighborhood and do that shit because I was like, fuck no, I relate to them. But I'd go to somebody's mansion and be like, fuck your mail. I don't give a shit about you, you fucking that, millionaire piece of shit. There it is. <laughs> there it is. You had. Did you grow up without? Without? Yes. I yeah, I was having my fucking power cut off and like all sorts of like I and I was in the suburbs where that wasn't a thing. Like everybody else always had power, and then all of a sudden mine would get shut off, so I'd have to go like and uh, yeah, there was the shame I felt from being different. Yeah, being different than everybody on the block. Like everybody was the Brady bunch, and we were the fucking Adams family, and it pissed me off. And like I I always shame. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Shame I was, I was ashamed shame of being. Shit. Shit. Yes. That's some shame-based. That that is some shame-based shit. I hope when they picked their ball out, they felt my shame. It's well, but if you remember, Ali, Ali said that. Like the the members wouldn't even gotten to that point. I know. When I, I, I never even realized that the so groundskeeper. You, I, fu- I fucked up groundskeeper. You fucked so up your people. I right. fucked up my people. Somebody who was working hard to make a living. Yeah. And you made them scoop right. your shit out of a golf, golf hole. hole. Yeah. I, yeah. I fucked up. Oh my That's God. so yeah, fucked up. up on that. I'm, yeah. I totally missed the mark. Like I was aiming <laughs> for a dartboard and hit a bowling alley. Like I <sighs> fucked up really hard. You shit in the wrong hole. I shit in the wrong <laughs> hole. I shit that. Is the, yeah. And I didn't even realize that until Allie said it. And I, like, I haven't done that in fucking tw- 15 years, whatever. Like, and <laughs> you I was like, just kept trying to think of higher numbers. I You're was. Like, two, four, I was like, two, four, 15 years. Have you done that in recovery? <laughs> no, like, 
I have not like, done that in recovery. I just I couldn't like, think. Wow, of, I couldn't did... think of like the last time I did it. I guess it was so like why did 2008. You go, can we talk about this though? Like, why did you go to bodily fluids? Well, like, because you're drinking and driving, you have to pee. You have to what relieve I, yourself. Yeah, you have to relieve myself. What am I going to do? Just waste it in the woods? Fuck no, I'm going to piss on somebody's mail. Fuck them. <laughs> but I, I wonder how many people actively wow. think like... Dude, you, I, dude, I feel horrible about that. You realize like I could have like peed on somebody's like postcard from their grandmother that was the last postcard no, they ever got from their grandmother? Yes. Like, how horrible is that? That's fucking terrible. Like I could have, I could have ruined somebody. Like I, and when I realized that, I like I, I had the scenario where I woke up in the morning, I walked out my driveway, I'm having my coffee, blah blah blah, I'm getting my mail, and it's just squishy with somebody's piss. I, that would have ruined my month. Like not even ruin my day. I've just been like every day you go out and you check the fucking mail. Be like, is there piss in there this time, the motherfucker? I like, can't wait for someone to piss on your somebody's mail. Gonna, one somebody's day. gonna piss in my fucking mail one day. That's gonna be and it might be me. But yeah, piss. I'm gonna get a flaming fucking turd on my fucking lawn or my my <laughs> stoop, and uh, yeah, I'm not even be able to get mad. I'm gonna be like, oh well, I had this coming. Yeah. Uh, what a what a weird yeah. little side tangent there, guys. Just know they had childhood trauma. Yeah, exactly. Day. So now I can empathize with that person yeah. and be like, "Wow, they're really going through some shit." <laughs> uh, <laughs> be like, "I know where you're at, I buddy." I should just heart. leave a note and be I like, "I know where you're at. Please come talk." <laughs> I had the hardest time being like really angry at of most people for anything because I just see oh, trauma. You're, you're better than me. It's trauma. I really don't. The only I need to start looking you know, at it like that. Yeah, because then I'll just then I'll I'll try. I guess be more compassionate, but more like just kind of feel I sorry mean, for people. Pee on people's mail and sit in holes in the golf course. How can yeah. you not have empathy for other people? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, but yeah, it's difficult. Cause it was I, a dark I time. Just, okay. I, I hey I. I mean, we could compare. I've done some terrible things as well. You know, um, stolen people's heirlooms that are and and pawned them, and they've never they were never able to retrieve them. Yeah, see, that, that's just different. Something like, I, what, what about you, Eric? I, I want to know what, what's your what's your what's your thing? Wait, Jen, what what did you steal of a child's? I uh, yeah, this is I stole this this lady let me live at her house and I she had a son there and I stole his entire baseball collection that came from her his da- dad who had passed mm. away. Oh, oh, that's rough. And um, yeah, and I pawned it and it was when I this is this is the place I lived right before I went to prison. So this was my last like addiction phase before I got into recovery. But um, when I went to county jail. I was arrested outside of, of the condo that they lived in. I was driving him, this boy. I was in her car driving this boy, picking him up from church camp, okay? Good and, God. Um, the cops were waiting for me, and they had found out where I was. I had, like, 11 warrants. It was bad. And, and I was using a different name, so she didn't even know my real name. Oh, wow. And so she came running out of the, you know, sees all these cop cars and stuff, and she's like, my name was Sam. I, that's what was my name. I told her everyone my name was Sam because the cops were just after me everywhere. Yeah. And she's like, Sam, Sam. And the cop's like, ma'am, that, this is not, her name is not Sam. <laughs> like, yeah. And her face was just, you know, and her child is in my car. Anyways, you know, I went to a county jail and um, I got a visit and it was um, the boy 
Oh, he was like nine or 10, maybe. Oh man. And it was the boy and her and they came in and I mean, I've never been presented with, with that, with so much guilt, like just, I mean, I was maybe 10 days in. So, you know, I mean, I'm still super foggy, still whatever, but I just, I remember my, I just felt like I wanted to crawl in a hole and I'd die. And, yeah. and they were so kind to me. And all they wanted to know is they had, she had, after I was arrested, she had gone to her house and realized how much was missing. Uh, she had not noticed because I, I stole slowly. I slowly took, you know? Yeah. And he said, are my, where are my baseball cards? <laughs> and I just told him the truth. I just didn't know what else to tell, tell them. And, and I, you know, they said that they forgive me and, and I told them where I pawned everything so that in hopes they could get it back. And I don't know if they, I never spoke to them again. I don't know if they did, but yeah, that's, that's shit. Yeah. We do stuff. Yeah. You know, I don't need anyone to tell me that, you know, pain is not an excuse. I, I understand that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't need to tell myself that either anymore. I get it. It was pain is not an excuse to hurt other people. Yeah. But it explains, it explains a lot. It explains a lot. Um, and what, what I was running from and stuff. So yeah. And then, you know, I went to prison. So, you know, I did my time and I did not do as much time as would ever repay people back for what I have taken. Mm. You know, I, and I always say that I, I'm grateful for what I did get busted for and for what I didn't. Cause there's a lot of things that if I would have gotten in trouble for them, I'd probably still be in prison today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm the, ro- I'm I the rogue golf course poop bandit. <laughs> They never, yeah, got, right. they, they they never got me. Gotten you for like, you know, I don't know. Bodily fluids can be considered. I don't know. Oh yeah, that's, the, yeah, that's chemical warfare. Well, it's bi- biological warfare. Trespassing, um, vandalism. Trespassing, vandalism. Isn't um, peeing outside in Maryland a sexual offense? Yeah, it so is. Yeah, you'd be a that's sex a offender. Yeah, yeah. I, I would be a but sex offender it, if I got caught. Is it anywhere, for that. or is it only in the vicinity of? a like a school or like nope. a it's anywhere if you're mm-hmm. peeing on the side of the highway I think you, it's anywhere yeah yeah you, yeah, you can if you they want to be real with... assholes i think they can mm-hmm. do it anywhere mm-hmm. if you if you look through yeah because it's in, it, it's in it's public yeah. indecency it's public indecency and indecent exposure right so yeah can you imagine yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> really fucking what about right you i'm really never gonna pee outside i, I want to hear your malicious shit come on give us give us something I just, I just, I'm thinking right now of you <laughs> squatted over a fucking golf hole with cop just coming up. Though. Well, then really, this is a win-win because now you're thinking about that. So fuck you. <laughs> Enjoy that mental image, buddy. There's just, I, I just feel like comedy would ensue, you know? Oh, dude, um, it was hilarious. But you're fucking kidding me. I was crying, laughing the whole time. You ever tried to cry, laugh, and poop at the same time? <laughs> Very hard to do. Have you ever tried? Have you ever tried to give birth to a baby and not poop at the same time? Uh, I have not now, done that this year. Carly, do you have any children? You I do children not. Yet, right? I do not. I am okay, recently well. engaged, so maybe in the future. Oh, well, congratulations. Thank so, you. Just so you know, for the future, it's a very difficult <laughs> task to try to push out a baby and hold in your poop. There you go. <laughs> Great. Something to look forward to. So we're... Is, look forward to the that, d- The friend. dark side of childbirth. Yeah, it is the dark side. <laughs> See, I already I, knew that. I, I, succeed, I, have, I have four sisters, I three of my kids. I succeeded with child number one. Child number two did not succeed, just so you guys know. Uh, I managed. Mm. Yeah, it's a bummer. It happens. Mortified. What are you going to do? I mean, that, like, that, that's fucking that's life. Whatever. It's no big deal. Yeah, every, like, everybody knows it. Everybody poops. 
Hey, everybody poops. Didn't you read the book? <laughs> yeah, that is a book. Come on, Eric. Dish. What? Dish. The worst Air- thing Air- that Air- I would do. do. What's, your, what's, your, what's your malicious shit? At what point in my life? I don't know. You tell me. Any point. Um, I mean, if we're talking about stealing in general, um, I mean, we've all stolen. Uh, mm-hmm. Depending on the person, it depends on what they have and what, you know, we currently need. Um, the one I regret is I stole my cousin's, stole like two or three of his bongs. And, Dude. Yeah. That's then it. I, then I sold them. That's the one I regret. You regret stealing bongs? I regret misplacing his trust. Jesus. You fucking yeah. suck. Do I? I would have shit in yeah, that bong. I would shit in your fucking bong. I mean, I don't know, dude. Like, are you close with your... Like, because you were close to him. Yeah. Like, yeah. Probably. Okay. Yeah. So, like... You, never, you, you, you never just went full punk rock in any way whatsoever and just did something fucking nuts. What are you t- like? What does that mean? I didn't shit in people's mailboxes. You never like hopped no. a golf ball through somebody's window. Why would I do that? Why not, man? Fuck it, punk, anger. Ro- punk rock, dude. Yeah, I got fucking anger, man. I'm not like. Yeah, see, I, I didn't have anger either. Yeah, I was I, not an anger on the outside. Anger towards myself, but not anger towards other people. Oh no! I was, I was, I was a tornado of teeth and fingernails. Yeah, but why do you want to fuck yeah. up someone else's day if, like, you know, like why? <laughs> because why? I was in pain and I wanted them to be in pain too. Because that's how yeah, fuck, that's where my mind I mean, was. I went crazy like sometimes, obviously, and you know I would um, get like like just wild, but I didn't go and like down the neighborhood and I was like, oh, you know, I should go shit on their car, like you know, like that's just. I not never my, shit on a car. That's <laughs> just not my way of. I like, peed on somebody's uh, driver's seat once. <laughs> But why? Like, why? Why? Because I was really drunk I mean, and I was you, walking does, home. Does he need a reason? Do I need a reason at this point? Y- yes. <laughs> okay, I was really drunk and it seemed funny at the time. I, I think this is like some primal, like... Yeah, I was marking my territory. I don't know. ...of yourself where like you have to like incorporate pissing and shitting <laughs> into like your expression of your anger towards the world. So just you had to leave a little piece of him behind. Yeah, so you're I just guess. throwing piss and shit everywhere. <laughs> yes, I, I, I am that angry simian in the in the cage, but just throwing. But poop. you're acting like I'm the strange one for not doing the same thing. <laughs> you never did anything. What did you, What did you do? Did you ever throw like a Molotov cocktail? No. Why? Oh my god. Are you serious? You've never made a Molotov cocktail. I mean, I've so much fun. I have made like small explosives when I was younger. Yeah. Yes. Of course I had a pyro phase, but the pyro phase didn't go to like, hey, let's go burn down that house over there. Or like I'm like a no. What? Why? Because I'm not like I want the abandoned structure to stay up. Guess so what? Some people it. just want to watch the world burn. You're looking at him, buddy. What yeah. about you, Carly? Moving on. He's boring. I don't know. I've been over here trying to think. Um, you done anything malicious? <laughs> I don't know if I have a malicious bone in my body. I don't know if you do either. You're a fucking. I mean, angel. I did. I did. I mean, I do a lot of shit that I feel guilty about. Do I have reason to feel guilty about it? Probably not. But I would did feel you ever just like anyway. unwarrantedly punch somebody in the face? No. What? Why are you like? The, what is like? What do you? The mean? one thing though that does stick out. <laughs> the one thing that does stick out in my head was in high school. 
Um, we were, I don't know how it devolved to this. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> this whole but, so I was collecting coins. We were me and a few friends were out of money, so we were like, "All right, let's collect all of our coins for the weekend." Yeah. And so I took my Skippy peanut butter jar of coins into yeah. the Catholic school that I went to, and people questioned why I brought it in. So I told them we were raising money to buy a Christmas present for our friend's sick little sister who had cancer. Oh. And then we so oh, everybody yeah. donated to it, and then we went and like cashed in all these coins and had a hell of a weekend. That so, yeah, that's something malicious. that like sticks. That's malicious. See, that's that's up there. Yeah. yeah, that's solid. I'm not that person. I'm I'm not at that level. No, you're not. No. You're the fucking guy who was googling the drugs he was about to put in his veins. You're like a fucking nerd. It's called arrowhead. And it's yes. called being a nerd. That's what it is. Yes. <laughs> Did you really do that? Did you really Google stuff before you used? Of course. Or is that a joke? <laughs> No, no, that's dead serious. I'm that's, dead serious, Jen. That's 100% no. being serious, yeah. I mean, of course, sometimes wow. you didn't have time to Google it, so you just took it but and, like, then right. looked it up. But most of the time, yeah. I was like, do I really wow. want to do acid? Let's look up acid. Like, yeah. Fuck that. I didn't have time mm. for that shit. Wow. Well, I mean, sometimes you can't identify pills on Pill Finder because, like, it's scratched I off. I didn't even so know there was a guess. thing. No, I've done that. I have I've done that just to make sure what I'm buying is real. Yep. Nope. I've mm-hmm. I've looked nope. up pills on on that pill finder mm-hmm. thing, or you know, I'm stealing everybody's medication, and I and I got a bunch of antibiotics and other shit, and uh-huh. I'm like, God damn it! I've done that before. I was reckless as fuck. But, but also, <laughs> if you're always taking drugs, you need to understand what the next drug you're going to take is because you're already fucked up. So how does that drug fuck up the high that I'm already on? Oh, see, I, I didn't care. care. Well, I didn't that's care a problem either. because it was a problem. <laughs> I mean, Why do you think I'm here, buddy? Well, but like I, you can, you can more effectively enhance your high. No, you, I wanted to like, d- understand how the chemicals work, dude. Just clearly, I was together and had I a great was far time. below. No, that's not like there's, that there's sort effective of cocktails. I'm a cocktail like yeah person. You so know? was I. Yeah, I just figured it out sure. by doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I just figured it out by doing it. Like, hey, I'm tripping and just, I'm tripping and drinking and smoking weed. Oh, let's add co- let's add cocaine to the fucking cocktail. Like, oh, that felt awesome. I just awesome. knew what I didn't like by trying it, and then I just stuck to the shit I liked. That's yeah. it. I didn't like. Yeah. Once I found heroin and meth together, were really the bomb dot com, <laughs> and that was all I wanted. Yeah, yeah. the two combination is what I did. You know, that was it. That was all of it. That was it. Yeah. You know, but. I did trial by error, you know, in the earlier years. And then, like, I, I cannot do mushrooms. I am not a girl for mushrooms. I'll just tell you that. Oh, I, yeah, I agree. Oh, I love I mushrooms. I fucking hate those. Those things are the fucking worst. I, loved I, mushrooms. I mean, it's very possible I just did too many the two times I did it, but I was like sitting there normal. And then, bam, I could not see. The air was so thick with like, Oh, like yeah. patterns and and I couldn't hear everybody's voice was skipping and everything was just so fucked up. I was just like, it was the only time I've ever oh, been yeah. in the bathroom going, okay, talking myself down. Like, it's going to be okay. Oh, the bathroom okay. was the best. That's the best oh, place to be. No, mushrooms can. No, I always I end up crying mushrooms. on mushrooms. Like, oh, I, I was always cried. in yeah. a ball somewhere crying at some point, And I was like, this is never going to end. I'm going to be stuck like this. I happy, I happy cried three times on shrooms just because I was in, like, I was just like, everything but, is so amazing. I'll tell you, though, the best time I had on shrooms was talking to my mother on the phone and watching Toy Story. Oh, God. I cannot imagine that. <laughs> 
Did I you, don't know did why. Did your mom know? No. Good She Lord. called me earlier in the day, and I was way too fucked up to answer, so I went home and called her back. I was, like, laying in my bed in college. And so just were you, like, coming Toy down? Story. Yeah. Okay. All right, so that's But possible. that was, like, the happiest moment of my life. I had Toy Story on the TV, and I was talking to my mother. Yeah. You can't be... <laughs> you couldn't be peeking doing that. Oh, my oh, God, no. no. No, that oh, would, that would be too much. I was always yeah. in tears when I was peeking. Uh-uh. Dude, yeah. Like, your eyes yeah, get so watery. Mushrooms really affected my emotions. It made yeah. things really... Oh, yeah. Now, but, acid was totally different. Uh-huh. Acid I loved. But mushrooms, man, no, I can't do it. DMT Cannot. was still the absolute tops. That that that, that drug changed my life forever. Should we be promoting this? Really We're not promoting this. This is <laughs> this is bad. This is bad. Um, we've yeah, got we, like we, we, have, we have gone so far off topic. We have gone to pooping in yeah, golf we're, holes we're to fun. talking about DMT. We're talking having fun here. We are having fun, and I'm loving it. Yeah, this is great. This is what this <laughs> podcast is for. Um, but no, I like. Um, Drugs are bad. Drugs okay. are fucking. Drugs are fucking bad, and they all stem. For me, they they clearly stemmed from a, a, a lot of shame and trauma and and yep. and perceived guilt from from my childhood, and and it also yeah. um, it manifested violently. Like obviously, yeah. because just like you said, all those words in my head of like I was never good mm-hmm. enough, and like, and it was, and I made that point about parents because I had to deal with that. Like I had to deal with psychological and emotional abuse from my father on top of physical abuse. Of like, yeah. literally, I think like the two words I heard him say to me more than anything else were "worthless monster." That's what the fuck my dad called me forever. So like that, like, dude, I still see, I still hear that shit in my dreams. And it like, it fucks me up like still today. Um, But it's something that I, it doesn't have to control me because like um, what you were talking about, Jen, like the power of words and it's really like the power of emotions in general. One of the things I learned was through um, Buddhism, it's really making friends with your fear. Because Mm -hmm. if if you approach those bad emotions compassionately within yourself and you allow them to come and allow them to be your friends, then you've 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 cut their power in half. Yes, you're still going to be anxious. Yes, you're still going to be fearful. Yes, you're still going to feel guilty. But you're going to be like, these are a part of me. All these feelings are are natural feelings because we're fucking humans. We all have them. And any any billionaire or president or anybody who who says, oh, I've never been insecure in my life. Well, now you're a liar and you're full of shit on top of being an insecure asshole because we're all humans. Like we all take painful shits. Some of them may or may not take them in golf holes. Like me, but <laughs> so what you're saying is exact. But no, I love what you just said. That's exactly the spin as a spin off of exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, versus, you know, you're speaking on emotions, which is such a that's so huge. Mm-hmm. And then I'm speaking. I'm actually taking it and inviting all the past versions of myself to sit with me. Yeah. And I'm loving them. Mm-hmm. And in loving them. They hold the keys to me learning to love myself. It's fucking hard. It's hard fucking it work. It is hard. It is. It what, really is. What's up? So I think you guys asked me because I better get off soon because my kids are going to start eating the couches. <laughs> nice. But, um, you know, yeah, mom life. So I think you guys asked me like what I do to help mm-hmm. that shame. 
So like I was saying already was writing. So one thing I do, I call it a, it's like a brain dump. Every morning I, I write and, and I don't sit and write poetry. Mm-hmm. Okay. I write all the fears and the, and the shit in my head every morning of I'm not good enough. I'm never going to accomplish this. I have to do this, 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 this. There's no way I'm going to do it as good as so-and-so. You know, I'm, I have a lot of projects going on, you guys, like a lot. Yeah. And so I am in a lot of fear and I am in a lot of like lessons and perfectionism, perfectionism will have me frozen and, and never achieving any of it because I just don't think I'm ever capable of doing it anyways. Mm. Um, and so I dump all this out on paper. And it is a way for one to clear away the shit that that prevents me from moving forward. And I think if we don't clear that, that shit stays with us all day. And it's day after day after day after day. And I think most people realize, you know, know that like we could sit on our dreams until for years and sit on our, you know, we could sit on our tasks or things we want to achieve, whether that be your four step or whether that be, you know, big dreams and goals, you know, we just day after day after day, if we don't clear out that, that noise, that negative self-talk, that shame, that we, you know, whatever it is, the, the perfection of beast that tells us that we're just not good enough. If we can't do anything anyways, so who we are sucks. Mm. Um, when we clear it out, it's like, it makes space for possibilities. Mm. that's one thing that I do. Um, and another thing is I literally, and I, and I've talked about my inner child meditation before, and I did this for a few years just with my childhood, just with taking pictures of myself as a little girl. Um, when I, you know, really have my first real strong memories of being abused Mm. and, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I shared this before, but I, you know, I look at that picture for, and I close my eyes and I literally envision as best I can. It took me a while to figure, to learn how to do this kind of like meditation. It's not something that just comes, you know, mm-hmm. it takes some practice. But I envision myself walking over and I see her sitting on the ground in the corner by herself. And I pick her up off the floor and I twirl her in the, sunset, in the sunlight. And I tell her she is love and light and none of that is her fault. And together we are safe now. Um, and, and I do this, I did this just with that little girl for almost two years straight because really my shame stems from that age. Oh God. My shame as a, as a 29 year old woman, (laughs) which I'm not 29, (laughs) but my shame from the woman I am stems from, from like a five year old. Mm. This is well-made shame. This is well-made trauma. Shame that we get from children, it's really well made. And when I say that, I just mean it's really stuck in there, man. Mm -hmm. And so we can't even, I feel like the healing journey needs to start as far back as you can remember Uh. first. Because as long as that wounded child is still prevalent, trying to heal, you know, the stuff after that, it's still going to be infected because she's still there or he's still there. And he's still sitting on the floor and wants someone to, t- to love him. Mm. And until he's loved or she's loved, then the rest of it's never going to feel loved anyways. Not fully, not truly, mm. not wholly. So now, you know, this past year or so I've been doing that with, and sometimes I actually use physical pictures. I have, you know, my mugshot pictures or, 
you know, and sometimes I just have to remember what I look like, but I really, really try to actually envision a picture of myself during different phases of my life, whether it be the teenage girl who gave herself to anybody because she just thought that that was the only way to get love. God, I went through some you know, weird these phases. Are things that, yeah, these are phases that you go that we go through in life, and they're things that we hang on to. You know, the words that we use about ourselves and the words that we hear other people use and the words we hear other people use about other people, slut shaming or, right. you know, being poor and, you know, all these things. So mm-hmm. I actually take pictures of myself or envision and I do the same thing. You know, I hold them like I literally envision holding them and loving them and thanking them for every single thing they ever did to, to get me to hear. Mm-hmm. Because I owe them, they have always been my hero. I just never knew it. You know, even the woman under the bridge using, even even all that stuff that people want to label as dysfunctional and bad, this woman did the next best thing that was in front of her to survive shit that was not sustainable. Mm. And I And I honor it, and I'm grateful for it. And I don't need to, like I said, sabotage that by saying, you know, it doesn't excuse stuff because I already fucking know that. Yeah. What I need to do is love her and honor every single bit of it. And that love is changing, slowly changing the shame that is saturated inside of me. Wow. I don't think there's anything we can do on a current basis like I said, you can't rearrange your life or, or rearrange your behaviors that really heal shame. Mm-hmm. We got to go back. Yeah, we you got to go, go back to back. the source. Way back. And then just start traveling forward. Just go way back, as far back as you can remember, and start loving that that child, the teenager, you know, the inmate, the whatever, whatever phases it's been you know, and, and start moving your way forward. And as that happens, it's almost like you don't even have to consciously work on, on loving yourself today because you're loving the past. You love the past. It's like changing history. Does that make sense? Yeah. hundred percent. It's literally changing history by being the mother that I am today to the little girl of my childhood. I'm reparenting myself in a way that's coming out as if I almost was raised by a different woman than my real mother. And so that's deep as fuck. You just like (laughs) fucked my whole brain up. God damn it. I'm sorry, but it is really, I'm not trying to talk foo-foo. This is really work that many, many people are doing. It is work that I myself am doing. And I, and I promise you that it is real. If you have trauma, well, I hope. But if you have <laughs> Thank childhood you, trauma, you're welcome. Um, you know, David, <laughs> talking about your dad and, and the things he used to call you, go back and be your own dad. And re-raise the little, because he's still there. I mean, I'm not trying to talk third person and be really weird, but he really is still there. That boy is really still there, and he's still trying to protect you. Mm. He's trying to protect you from perceived shame and perceived threats and perceived, you know, um, harm and pain. They are, our little children of our childhood are still there. And so some of us have not such 
traumatic childhood, you know, maybe. And so then you can kind of move faster through that phase. Me, I had to sit in that childhood phase for a really, really long time. Mm. Some of us do. Some of us have to move forward, move past. No, don't miss the childhood phase. It's very important. But some of us get to kind of venture through the childhood into the preteen and boom, we hit our twenties and there's where our real, there's where our real work has to be done. And we have to sit there longer, but whatever it is, you can actually reparent yourself and you don't even have to worry about today. You just worry about that little boy and re-love him the way he has always deserved and was worthy of being loved. And it will change how you see yourself and how you exist in your after and your today. Wow. So there's your homework. Yeah. <laughs> but this is real That's work. That's a big fucking work. homework. That I mean, Eric, you know, you're kind of like the guy, the science guy, the Google, like really. Look, He's look the look Wizard of up. Oz. <laughs> he doesn't. You know, Eric really doesn't research. exist. He's an amalgam of a whole bunch of computer programs and He's Zelda. He's the Wizard of Oz. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but you know, really, this stuff is real. This is like. This yeah, is, Eric. Like people are really scientifically and biologically and. They are really researching and finding this stuff. This is like concrete shit here. It's the stuff we need to be talking about in recovery. Yeah. It's the stuff we need to be talking about in NA and AA and wherever the, all the A's and yes. all this and Dharma. And because this is the meat. This is the fucking gold. Yeah. Because fixing the behaviors and the 12 step, or I mean, and the four step, that's all great. But you're not touching that little girl, that little boy. Mm-hmm. You're not, you can't rearrange shame. Mm. You just cannot. You can rearrange the outsides and things start feeling and looking better, but the shame will be there. The shame will stay. And when you really start to feel, really start to look into where shame affects your life, you're really going to see, whoa, this is really, really fucking with how beautiful my life can be. And I had no idea. Because I always want to say that there's no such thing as as good as it gets in recovery. Yeah. Don't just assume because now you're not on the streets and now, you know, you've, you've mended relationships and, and you're not running from the law and you're not lying anymore and, and things have gotten better that that's as good as it gets. Because mm-hmm. it's not. Because if we really go back and we really heal the trauma or, you know, whatever it is for each of us individually, it's like our whole world blows up. The whole world blows up into something so much bigger than we ever even realized. Mm. Love it. All okay. right. I, 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 we, we, we've covered so much. I, I, yeah. I, does anybody have anything yeah. to say? Anybody? No, I, I, don't, I don't. Last call. I think we're. I think we're at the end of the road here. Yeah. I think we're at the end of the road. All right. Well, we would All like. Right. We would Not like to thank our guest Jen for joining us this evening again. Oh my god! And uh, Jen, where where can uh, everyone find you? Oh, um, everywhere on social media as Resurrection with a K underscore of underscore me, and I also tomorrow myself and four other women are launching what's called the Sober Mom Squad, which is a huge membership. I saw that all for. All, did you see that? I did. I, yeah, we all, were stalking you. Yeah, we were stalking you on Twitter a little bit earlier today. Yeah, it's. I haven't been on Twitter much, man. I just can't do it with Twitter. Twitter doesn't allow me to say as much as I want to say, and I got shit to say. <laughs> I got shit to say. Yeah, they limit the amount of words. I can't possibly, you know, give my, sh- you know, I can't possibly give my heart and like 
what 30 words it's like fuck yeah, you fuck i that. hate twitter <laughs> but yeah so sober mom squad if anybody's listening that is a sober mom mom to be or even just curious about what sobriety as in motherhood feels like I mean, it's amazing. It's just, there's, we're offering, I mean, so much stuff. Anyways, so I'm doing master classes on trauma. There's all kinds of master classes and a community and a Facebook group. And we do still have a, a free Wednesday, 3 p.m. PST meeting. It's all, mom. it's just really great. It's all women and all moms. So awesome. I'm doing that. And now, uh, I mean, I don't know what else I'm doing. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Awesome. <sighs> Well, we're always happy to have Thanks. you on, and we look forward to next time, where hopefully we won't, uh, yep. won't talk so much about shitting in golf holes. But who knows? <laughs> we never know where this is going to go. We never know. Yeah, that's what I love. It's, it's beautiful. Best. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for joining right. us this evening. Make sure you check us and Jen out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. For more information about Eric, Carly, Allie, and myself, go to Podcast Recovery recovery.com and here's Eric with our I don't know here's yeah, Eric know. here's know. Eric yeah, you're having issues there so um, here at Podcast Recovery away. we are fully self-supporting so if you would like to join our home group um, go and check out the link to our Patreon below or you can throw some money in the digital basket with our Venmo and PayPal uh, accounts which are also in the description below and david back to you all right everybody thanks for joining us uh but most importantly everybody out there carly stay safe stay clean bingo